The story we read today is very familiar, as you know. And we have to understand that because the apostles see that Jesus, the story of Jesus, is the fulfillment of the story of Israel, we always have to look and see that whatever they're talking about Jesus, it's framed in the story of Israel. In this case, it's the story of the Exodus, right? The people of Israel who came through the Red Sea. Paul calls it the baptism, where all of those who went through it, it was like a baptism. The men, the women, their children, it was like a baptism. They were being immersed into the God who would immerse himself into them. But they're in the desert now, right? And Jesus has been healing and teaching all day. And um, even though it says lonely place in, in uh, many translations, the Greek word erimos means really like a desert. And it's to hearken to the idea of the Israelites in the desert. And they're hungry, you know, and so forth. And Jesus, they come to Jesus and say, you know, send them away. They need to go get something to eat. And Jesus makes this incredible statement. He says, you feed them. And the reason I bring that up is the idea of, the story is also, what does this mean to be church? What does it mean to be church? And I think we, we've lost that. We think it's just a place to get together and do religious things and rituals and feel good and, you know, basically almost like a club type of thing or, or it's a place to, of nostalgia to remember the old days and preserve our culture, heritage, and blah, 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 blah. However, that's not the purpose of church. The purpose of church is to invade this world and bring humanity into the God that has immersed himself in all that, that is humanly real, our DNA. Jesus, that's the point of the incarnation, that God's son, who's everything that God is, comes and takes all our DNA of every human being that's lived or ever will live and literally takes it into himself to burn out the spiritual toxins and cancers in our life that have hindered our growth because humanity's like, we're stunted. We are spiritually stunted. It's like a child who has been abused or starts doing drugs and alcohol at a young age, and they emotionally stay that age. And the point of the fall story is similar to this, that Adam and Eve, when they eat the fruit, because they're they're innocent, but they are not complete yet. They haven't achieved their full potential. They haven't partaken of the tree of eternal life yet. They're on the way. So they're like teenagers. And it's like the serpent's thing is, you can't trust God, empower yourself, eat the fruit, you'll know everything God knows. Don't bother with him. Unplug yourself from him. Forget him. And they did, and they took like this poison. That, 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 and that's what, in a sense, in, in the Eastern Church, and originally in Christianity, was passed down is we're not guilty of enemy's sin, like in Western Christianity, where every baby is born guilty of original sin. No child is guilty. The child did not commit an offense. But what we do inherit is death, the corruption, the illness that's passed down. And that's why as a human race, for all the technological advances that we have, right, we act like adolescents. It's all about self. I determine now. Listen to what we're, you know, this idea that I determine what is reality. What I decide is real. What I identify, what I, 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 Forget any objective reality as if somehow I alone, can you imagine the weight of carrying this? That I alone determine reality? That weight is on us. But that's not reality. The idea is how do we accept reality as it is? It's like diving into the ocean. You don't say, okay, I I now identify as as a fish. So I'll jump in and I'll get gills. No, I have to, if I go diving into the waters, if I want to go into the depths, I have to adjust to that reality. And see, this is one of the things. As God comes to us, he wants to heal us, but it has to be on God's terms. 
It has to be on God's terms. Because he knows us and he loves us. And so forth. So that's the reality here. That's the reality here. And what Matthew doesn't highlight that the others do is that Jesus, when he blesses the loaves and the fish and gives thanks for it and so forth, which is a sign of the Eucharist in that way, he gives it to the disciples to distribute to everybody else. And the purpose of the church is to be a, a, a community that, that gives and shares with the world around it. We're not there for ourselves to make money and have nice buildings and, and blah, blah, blah. We're there. It's like if you build a hospital, what's the purpose of the hospital? It's for people to come and get well and to be healed. But there was an article that I found. I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously. I recommend it. It's called The Misunderstood Reason Millions of Americans Stop Going to Church. And it's very, very potent. And part of the thing is that we live in a world that has made us so crazy and busy that it's not even because people suddenly decide one day there's no God or Jesus isn't real. It's, I'm too busy. I'm so tired that when Sunday rolls around and so on and so forth. But here's the crazy part. We keep up in that crazy lifestyle even though it burns us out and it kills us in the end. In Japan right now, there is this thing, almost like a pride thing, like, that shows you're a good worker by literally being so exhausted at the end of the week. They actually show this. There was a documentary about this. That people are passed out on subways. These are professionals. These are young professionals. They're so burned out. It's called workism. Workism. You work, and you live for work. And that's your whole meaning in life. But the church comes to say there's an alternative to this. God comes through Jesus says there's an alternative to this. So, in seeing this, he, let me just read a couple things here real quick. A healthy church can be a safety net in the harsh American economy by offering its members assistance in times of need, meals after a baby is born, money for rent, a layoff. Perhaps it's more important is it reminds people that their identity is not in their job or how much money they make, they are children of God, loved and protected and infinitely valuable. But a vibrant, life-giving church requires more, not less time and energy from its members. It asks people to prioritize one another over career, to prioritize prayer and time and reading over scripture, over time reading scripture over, reading scripture over accomplishment. I'm sorry. This may seem like a tough sell in an era of deep churching if people are already leaving, especially if they're leaving because they feel too busy and burned out to attend church. Why would you want to be part of a church like that? See, that's what we, we like our country clubs. We go in, do our thing, light a candle, and walk out. The American way. The American way. The tragedy of American churches is they're so caught up in the same world that we now find they have nothing to offer these suffering people that can't be more easily found elsewhere. American churches too often have been content to function as a kind of vaguely spiritual NGO, an organization detached from individuals who meet together for religious services that inspire them, provide practical life advice or positive emotional experience. Too often it's not been a community that's what's preaching and living witnesses to another way of life. The theologian, and I've read this guy, Stanley Horowitz, said it well, that pastoral care has become obsessed with personal wounds of people in advanced industrial societies. The difficulty is that many of the wounds and aches provoked by our current order 
aren't the sort that could be managed or hacked away. You know, I'm just going to try to manage my life better. They're resolved only by changing one's life by becoming a radically different sort of person, belonging to a radically different sort of community. And that's what Christianity offered in the beginning. This is what shook the Roman Empire up. And this is what Katerina is being baptized into. We worship a God that says, if anyone loves father, mother, sister, brother, family member more than me, and how many people go, I can't come to church, Pascha, or Christmas, because my family's coming. Instead of saying, well, look, i got to go to church because we can meet later. We just give in. Because, and it's not that we don't, shouldn't love our family, but the idea of the definition of love and family is first in Christ. He's the one that empowers me to love and be family to others. In the gospel, Jesus first tells his disciples to leave their old way of life, going so far as abandoning their plow, fishing nets, etc. A church doesn't expect at least as much from one another isn't really a church. The great de-churching could be beginning of new movement for churches, a movement marked less by aspiration to respectability, success, with less focus on individuals aligning themselves with the American values and assumptions. We could be a witness to another way of life outside conventionally American measures of success. Churches could model a better, truer sort of community, ones in which the hungry are fed, the weak are lifted up, the proud are cast down. Such communities might not have the money, success, and influence that many American churches have so often pursued in recent years. But if such communities look like, less like those churches, they might also look more like the sorts of communities Jesus expected his followers to create and live in. And ask me why the kids are leaving. Because like I said, even just stop believing. And that's why this is a parish. I'm very proud of the people here and those who support us. The fact that we're a church that invites people to be integrated into the embrace of Jesus. Not just do religious rites and rituals. Because those rituals are supposed to symbolize God reaching out and healing this broken, crazy, insane world and rat race. So may God help us because, and I say this in a good way, Katerina's baptism is supposed to be us also remembering our baptism and what was promised to God on our behalf. Katerina is immersed into the Christ that immersed herself himself into us and still immerses himself and we, the point is to live the baptized life to constantly be immersed into this Jesus and in the community that reflects him to the world around us so as we ask God to bless Katarina de Espina, may he bless us also that we be the kind of church that would really grow up Katarina and everyone else that we bring here into the embrace of the Jesus who's immersed himself in all the reality.